more cities really need a bicycle mayor to give an independent voice so that you have that access to communities that you wouldn't normally have. You might need like two or three bicycle mayors here. You know, there's a lot of cities within the sphere of Los Angeles City. Welcome to Bike Talk. My name is Don Ward. Today we have Shelly Carr, who is a bicycle mayor of London, Ontario, Canada, not the UK, but um, still looks like a really cool little city there surrounded by agriculture, which was the case with the last two bicycle mayors we interviewed in Canada. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell us about London, Ontario. I'm I'm looking on Google Maps here, and like I said, it's surrounded by farmland, which I I love that. So we have uh, 507,000 people here. Okay, so that's a uh, decently decent yeah, decently yeah. sized city for Canada, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we are uh, we have a major river that runs through, which is the Thames River, otherwise known as the Antler River to our indigenous community. Um, we used to be quite an industrial city, but we, we lost a lot of industry because of, um, you know, the car, the car production is not as prevalent as it used to be in the area. We used to have three very large facilities that built either cars or trucks, and they've since closed. Um, so London has now become um, a university uh, education city. We have uh, four universities that are all connected to each other. And then we have a very large college. And then we have two state-of-the-art hospitals. So it's very popular with seniors because um, they have really good medical care. They have all the things that they would have in a larger city without uh, the traffic congestion. And I mean, we, we only have one highway and it's a highway that goes from one end of Ontario to the other, so. Hmm. Now I'm looking at, I mean, what I like of, of what I've seen so far with the other two cities that, you know, with people that we interviewed from the other two cities is that you guys preserved your farmland that's surrounding the city is there a kind of zoning ordinance that that prevents well expansion we actually haven't preserved our farmland uh london is sort of um one of the cities that are left that has not created what we call um a boundary for for sprawl so we have quite a bit of sprawl just to, to bike from one quarter of the city to the other is almost 25 kilometers so Which is are, what, like 13, quite, 14 miles? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite a long, like from corner to corner. Um, mm. Like when we were doing, I'll talk about pedal pull in a bit, but when I was running out and going to see all the people that were counting, I put in a 55 kilometer day, which would be, I don't know, 40 miles, 40 miles. Yeah, easy. That would be easy to do. Um, but uh, we're working on that. We're like, we're, we're, because we're so isolated from Toronto, we're like two hours away from Toronto and three hours from Detroit. The things that are happening there take longer to filter down. So, 
preventing sprawl is just something that started to come out in the, in the, in, in the community where people are talking about how we don't want that anymore and how we should preserve agricultural land. But there's just so much agricultural land in every direction that it's never been an issue until now, you know? Mm. So um, yeah, we're, we're, we spread out quite a distance for such a small place for a small city. Um, but, but what makes us unique is that we've taken an, a former um, trolley car rat, uh, a trail that we used to have our own trolleys here and we've turned it into this very long um, multi-use pathway called the Thames Valley Parkway and it you can bike literally the entire almost from corner to corner using this this one multi-use pathway that leads all through the middle of the city along the river so that's what makes us unique to uh, Waterloo and to Halifax because we we have this huge infrastructure. It's it's protected. It's extremely popular um, and to the point where it's really there's a lot of conflict now. Um, but that's that's one thing that makes us a little bit different is that we saw that need a long time ago and we started to develop it and now I believe it's it's almost it's over a hundred kilometers to ride the entire stretch of the Thames Valley Parkway, which is all protected multi-use pathway. Wow. Yeah. Do you um let me see? I want to see that on the Google here. You should be able to see it. If you look along, if you look along the map, you should be able to see a map, uh, a pathway that runs all the way along the river and it runs fully out to the east, fully to the north, and fully to the west. Nice. Okay, yeah, I see it right here. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's funny. There's a Google cyclist, I guess. We're about to do a count on it. Well, we did a count on Tuesday, according mm -hmm. to on Tuesday. Uh, we're about to do another count tomorrow, and um, it, it will be crazy. We had 200 riders in a two-hour period on a Tuesday in the middle of the day, riding on that, on that pathway. So nice. tomorrow we have to have multiple people counting in certain sections. Cause we expect fully 400 to 500 people in, in a two hour time span. That's incredible. That's great. But mind you, they're all recreational riders. They're not commuters. They're all recreational riders because as, as wonderful as, as it is, it doesn't really go, it doesn't really connect people from the places that they live to the places that they need to go, right? Like it doesn't, uh, it, it, it sort of fulfills that purpose, but then you have to leave it and go to where you actually need to go. And, and that's where the problem lies is that it encourages recreational riding, but it doesn't really encourage commuting riding because you still have to ride on the road and it doesn't take you to schools. It doesn't take you to... It doesn't even take you to the hospital. <laughs> not, wow. that, not that you know everyone can bike to the hospital, but <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of people work at the hospital. Like we're looking at, we easily have twenty thousand people in this city that work at at the at the three hospitals here. We have smaller ones, and if all of them rode to work, they would not need the parking facilities that they do. But there's just no safe connection right mm. so so that is so it's a it's a boat it's a it's a blessing but it's a curse because 
Uh, our city quite often will apply for uh, cycling infrastructure grant money and get it from the federal government. And then they'll plunk it down on the Thames Valley Parkway and then tell us, oh, there's a speed limit of 20, 20 kilometers an hour, which is like 15 maybe miles. And um, they'll say, oh yeah, but it's not bike infrastructure now. It's, it's a multi-use pathway. You can't, you know, you can't ride on it or we're not gonna plow it for snow because it's a multi-use pathway. We don't have to plow it for snow. So it's like, it's, uh, <laughs> they, play, they play a game and I always get sort of irked because um, I would like to see on, uh, on street infrastructure because the Thames Valley Parkway is closed at night. And so the true definition of uh, bike infrastructure is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four seasons a year, but we don't right. have that, right? So um, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess on, on closer inspection here, I'm seeing a lot of single family housing kind of yeah. everywhere. So yeah, that's kind of the disease that plagues Los Angeles as well. Um, so do you, as bicycle mayor, you, are you recognized by city officials? Like, do they give you time? Do you, do, do you get to talk to them? And do you have well, I always spoke them? to them before, right? I always spoke to the counselors before. I think mm -hmm. the bigger problem is that, um, is how we fund our advocacy groups in the city. And it's not just our cycling advocacy groups, it's all of the environmental advocacy groups. The city here tends to hand out funding very readily, but in exchange, there's an expectation that you will go along with the city. And so the people that receive grant funding from the city, they, they are considered the official spokesperson but unfortunately, mm. the official spokesperson is uh, bound by an agreement that will give you $55,000 and you'll say nice things about us, right? So to some extent, I'm listened to, mostly because I already know all the city councillors and I've already talked to them long before I was a bicycle mayor about what's happening in our city and how we can improve things. Um, I do make jokes with the other mayor, uh, our real mayor in the city that... Uh, you know, he'll say to me, oh, thank God you're here. The heat's off me. They can come and grump at you instead. And I just, I just laugh. But um, <laughs> on the whole, I think that, that um, I think the city doesn't really have a cha chance to, to change, uh, like a chance, a chance not to change. Let me rephrase that. Because um, as we keep talking to other people in the community, they start saying, well, hey, you know, she's right or they're right because there's, there's all kinds of advocates, right? And we actually want that. We want those things. Why can't we have those things? So then they turn around and they put pressure on them as well, right? So um, once you get that, that, um, that conversation going, it sort of steamrolls its way through and, and it starts to push for change. You know, when I first became bicycle mayor, talking about slowing streets, like, uh, having 40 kilometer uh, street limits or having uh, speed cameras in our city was something unheard of. Mm. We never mm -hmm. talked about it. Mm -hmm. And now we talk about it every single day. <laughs> so no, it's good. 
Yeah, it, 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 you know, sometimes it's not the way you want it to be, but sometimes it works out in the right way anyways. So. Um, what's the, how many city council members do you have over there? Uh, we have 14 city councillors and one mayor. 14 city council members. Yeah, and they're all, they're all of these city councillors are part-time um, mm. and the mayor is full-time. Now, are they at large or do they represent districts? They represent a ward. Um, so I'm in, uh, gosh, I, I actually, I think I'm in Ward 11. Um, but there is some chat that someday they will reduce the number of wards to make the councillors full-time because most of them have to work full-time and be a city councillor. And that's a, that's a hard job to do. I mean, I've seen mm. those stacks of reports they have to read. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. And are they paid or no? They are paid. Um, they just got a pay raise. Uh, they were making less than minimum wage, which minimum wage here is uh, $14 an hour. They were making less than minimum wage. Now they're making a little bit better than that. But it was, it was pretty sad. It was pretty sad. Um, it's hard to get. I just. I think it's fantastic to have. I mean, if you're dividing five hundred thousand by fourteen, what is that? That's less than fifty thousand per council member. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. That's great. I said. I mean, hopefully they don't reduce the council members. They just pay them or something. I guess pay them full time. People are funny like that, eh? Like they don't seem to understand that you're not going to get the best, the cream of the crop unless you pay them um right it's just strange how people don't see that there's an, a cause and effect on that but whatever <laughs> <laughs> i know i've been asked to run for council and i was like oh no i hate meetings so i would be <laughs> I'd start to make funny faces or fall asleep or something so i'd be a failure at that so i'm gonna imagine that there's bus transportation as well throughout yes. the city or yeah. yes we just had a big debate here. We were talking about putting an LRT system in and uh, there was some feeling amongst the money of the councillors that it just wasn't worth the money. Um, and so we agreed to put in a BRT system as well. And we're, it looks like we're heading towards electric buses, moving away from diesel to electric. Um, that process is probably gonna take 10 years for that to actually be in place. Um, but it, but it is coming, at least we're heading in that way, but it was a big, a big, uh, topic during our last election where a lot of people, they just think that buses are, are ridiculous or that buses are just for poor people. Right. Um, <laughs> except for the problem is, is that if we didn't have a bus system, then the, 60,000 students, not including the professors and the staff at the universities, would all be driving their cars in the city and our streets would be congested like, like crazy. So I, I don't think people realize that cause and effect that all those students on the bus that are riding for free are actually saving them taxpayer dollars because they're not having to replace roads as often and they're not sitting there in traffic for hours and hours at a time. Something we do not have here, but we see pictures of, of Los Angeles, and we do we do not want that. <laughs> just just hold up a picture of Los Angeles at the meetings and be like, yeah. no, no, don't do oh, it. 
we have a train go through town and people, four people will get stopped. And there's just like all kinds of whining. And it's like, it's a train town. You know, this would not be a town if this would not be a city if it wasn't for the trains. Um, and so if, if 10 people have to stop for the train, then, you know, so be it. But it's just, it's a funny thing that, that uh, the trains, they feel that that's congestion. They feel yeah, see, stopping for a train is congestion. <laughs> I see the, the train yard here. I guess, so this is the old town that's surrounding the train tracks. Yes. In a way, right? Yeah, yeah look at that. So if you just look south of that map, mm -hmm. there is a community. I don't know if it's marked on uh, Google Maps. It's called Soho. And it was the very first subdivision of this city. And it was built for the railway, the rail, the railway workers. And hmm. so it's hard for people to wrap their heads around because it's considered heritage now. Um, but it was, it was, a, they built all the houses for the workers. You can tell who does what in the railroad by the size of your house. <laughs> wow. And then the second railroad tracks, which you could probably see off in the distance, there's another subdivision there that was built for exactly the same reason, but less structured. Like um, Soho is a good example. Like you'll see the big houses on the corners or in the middle of a short block, but the workers' houses are all cottages and they all sit in the middle and then the boss sits on the corner, right? So I yeah. don't know if it was on purpose. Like maybe the boss was sitting there and could see that Joe Blow didn't go to work that day because he was <laughs> I it's possible, right? So very possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't put it past him. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at East London here. And I I see so the kind the of industrial area. Long before the railroads were here in London, London was actually a refinery town. We mm. shipped crude oil from a place called Oil Springs here and we refined it and then we shipped it. Then we sent it up on the railroad tracks uh, further up to to um, mostly the shipping shipping docks that were in Toronto or Hamilton or wherever. And then there was a very big fire and it exploded and they never did oh. it again. So much of the people that live in East London and what we called Old East Village, they also are part of that same suburb system where they built little teeny brick houses and then the, the bosses live on the corner or whatever. So um, they're very much wanted and like there, there are areas of, of, the of the town that people are moving away from the suburbs and moving into those sections because they like the lifestyle. They like the fact that there's a sidewalk and they like that they can walk to the grocery store and they, all the things that make a community a community, which have been designed out of subdivisions without sidewalks and whatever, and strodes with tons of strodes up by the subdivisions, they have that in these small communities. So everyone's moving downtown or to the outer edges of the city so they can live in a brand new house, but no one wants to live in the middle, right? So that's where the people that are living in those low, what were traditionally low income areas are being pushed out to sections of the city. And I'm sure that this happens everywhere. They're being pushed out to the sections of the city where the bus is poor and they can't walk to the grocery store and like they, they don't have sidewalks and there's 
food deserts and strodes. Um, so that, that is just starting to happen here where we're building great big condos downtown and everyone's empty nesters are selling their homes off and moving into a condo um, or they're moving into these smaller suburbs, these older suburbs. So, uh, and, and they're, they're the most highly walkable and cyclable areas of the city, right? I, I'm one of them. I mean, I had a five bedroom house in the subdivision and I had no sidewalks. It was impossible to bike from my subdivision to get anywhere. And I sold my house and moved down right beside the river. And um, I can bike anywhere I need to go in probably 10 minutes or less. Love that. Yeah. That's the dream, right? It is. It is a dream. Mind you, I'm living in an apartment with three cats, but (laughs) (laughs) and four bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It looks like parking requirements are a thing in this city. Do you guys have parking requirements? We do have parking requirements and we hate them. Yeah. When you say we, you're talking. (laughs) Most of the that are starting to read up on these things we didn't talk mm-hmm. about parking requirements three years ago either mm-hmm. um, it's, it's become a really big thing because we have one uh, landlord that's or owner that buys a property you'll buy a heritage property um, let the building sit for so many years until it rots and then knocks it and then applies to have a put in a temporary parking lot and then it stays a parking lot forever. What's his, why would you do that? What, what is his financial advantage? Is he selling parking spaces or something or what, what the heck is going on? He's a speculator. I really honestly think he's a speculator. Um, mm-hmm. He's quite often, I don't know if you're looking at the news there, there's a section of the city that's considered heritage. It's called Bankers Row. And he just recently submitted a proposal to the city staff where he's going to put in a 25 story condo. He's never built anything in the city. I think he just likes to yank people's chains because he's always saying, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build a technological hub. And then nothing ever happens. The building just sits there. Mm. Um, And he probably owns, gosh, probably 25% of the buildings in the downtown. Wow. He doesn't, he doesn't just focus on London. He also goes to Windsor, which is the twin sister to, to Detroit. He does the same thing there. Um, so yeah, he gets people's gears going in the city because everything we have part, we have people say all the time, well, I can't go downtown because there's no parking and there's 13,000 parking spots in the downtown area, just in surface parking alone. But what they really mean is, there's no free parking and they like free parking at malls, right? Even though the malls are suffering because no one likes going to malls anymore. The, the businesses don't like to be in the mall because then they're, they're, they have to follow the rules of the mall. So everyone's leaving the malls, but they still, have, they still like their free parking. So yeah. Amazing a, how that, uh, that was programmed into yeah. our culture and in Canada as well, I guess. Yeah, no, it's what's old is new again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of poking around here on Google and uh, exploring your city. I see 
there's a lot of grid going on here that that smacks of auto development as well like sort of grids big grids and big blocks appear in the we have an in West London area. Department that's firmly stuck in 1967. Um, the head engineer has outright told me right to my face that his job is to get traffic through the city as fast as possible. And we see those numbers reflected in our death rates. We've had in 10 years, we've had 35 pedestrians slash cyclists killed in our city. And the numbers just keep going up. And it's usually seniors that are being killed. We haven't had any children killed yet, but that's mm. that will be next, right? Mm. And um, they don't seem to see any point in changing things. They they just they just speed it up more. And they just installed cameras at major intersections in the city, not for speed reasons, not as speed cameras, but so that they can. Um, what is the exact word I want to use? Cause they had a specific word, but it basically, they want to watch the traffic pattern so they can adjust the, the light so they can speed up the traffic more with, and also reduce car accidents or cat. Oh, God. They don't care about pedestrians. They don't ever say the word pedestrian. They don't care about cyclists. Um, as far as they're concerned, the Thames Valley Parkway is where you should be if you want to walk or bike. And it really takes that whole equity component out because we have a, a, a street here called Hamilton Road and it's had nine deaths in 10 years because it's basically been turned into a strode. And what's so mm. frightening about that is that the residents of that community, something like 70% of them are over 65. So they can't cross a strode in enough time, right? And they're also house rich but cash poor so mm. they're they're very you know they're very very dependent on community services which are almost non-existent because they can't cross the road and if you stand on on this street and you try to talk you can't talk it's so the traffic's so loud so and, it's like kind of a de facto freeway through yep. like a north south is it north south i'm looking here it connects to something called uh, Highbury Avenue, which is a one-way, uh, like maybe a kilometer uh, highway that leaks to the 401, which is our Ontario-wide freeway. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of incredible how... Okay, so for our listeners, a strode, anyone that doesn't know the term strode, it's a street with pedestrian features like housing and shopping and, and retail and so forth but they've widened it and made it into basically a freeway without calling it a freeway they do that here in in la all the time they right. widen streets and i mean i'm looking at this at hamilton road and that is a six lane it looks like at some points, yes, it's six lane. Yes. Yeah. And there's houses right there. There's the looking, yeah. looking at a house. We're asking people that are over 65 that usually have like some sort of accessibility device of some kind or just not very fast. They have 35 seconds to cross six lanes of traffic. Yep. And we do that here in LA as well. We'll give. It seems to be like a North American. Yeah. 
thing that we don't we don't actually think about the people that are in our communities and uh, it's so striking as a bicycle mayor because I speak to European bicycle mayors and they're like oh my god they're just they're just <laughs> horrified <laughs> right. and and they must look at us like we're like dinosaurs um <laughs> they, they can see that but what also is very interesting is that we have a very large contingent of Indian uh, bicycle mares. There's over 55 bicycle mares in India alone. And where we were in the 80s and the 90s, that's where they are. They're begging for painted bike lane strips. And we're like, rip them out, take the paint away, right? And mm. so it's fascinating to be in the middle between uh, Copenhagen, which is like, bikes, 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 people, 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 pedestrians all the time. And then to see India and they're not even talking about pedestrians and they get super excited when, um, you know, they can send out a message telling people to wear bike helmets where we're saying, you know, well, where's a protected bike lane, you know? So yeah. it's, it's such an interesting place to be. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like Europe, their street grid was put in place centuries ago basically and it's like canada and north america we had so much land stolen from native americans but there was so much land here that we just you yeah know, it's we just happened things. to plan it around the time that the, yeah. the automobile became well, it's one of thing. the things that's our big that's our big problem as advocates is that uh people say to me well you know, why is it that you have this perception that you should be able to park your car wherever you want? Well, we, we have so much land, we just can, you know, yeah. we want to build a sprawling ranch house and have on two acres of land and have five garages, then you can do so. Right. And if you have a parking, if you have a driveway that can accommodate eight cars, then you just do so. Right. Um, and, and to couple that with our very cheap gas, like, what they pay in, in Europe for gas is triple what, what we pay, right? So with cheap gas and all the space and an economy that was really developed and built on car manufacturing. And I say this as someone who worked in car manufacturing industry for 22 years. I am responsible for millions of minivans that can stop on the road today. And our whole economy is built on that. It's really hard to get people's minds off of, of, off of those three, that is that being the only option. So yeah. it is a struggle and it's a, it's a North American struggle, right? I don't know. It's, I think we're probably affected more by it because we're close to Detroit, right? Which is right. car city, right? So, um, but the problem is, is that uh, since I can remember, I can remember at least 12 automotive facilities, huge plants that hired hundreds, thousands of people and they're gone just in Canada alone, just, mm -hmm. just in Ontario. Right. And, uh, there's a very large plant that's near here. That's still going. It's in uh, Woodstock and they were making Equinoxes, Chevy Equinoxes. Mm -hmm. They have just announced that they're no longer going to make cars anymore. They're going to make electric vehicles, like electric parcel trucks. Um, okay. So they're moving in the right direction, but they still can't wrap their head around the fact that, you know, even electric vehicles aren't 
aren't going to get us out of the mess that we're in and that we need to move far faster. So it's, um, it's, it's a great North American conundrum, cheap gas, lots of space. <laughs> American- and, yeah. And I don't see how, I mean, even if you put the crazy part is like, even if you put bike lanes on every street, it's still this, it's still, it's built for a car scale and riding a bike, like you said, you could put 40 kilometers. Well, the in... equalizer is e-bikes, right? Right. That's yeah. true. E-bikes are just exploding in the city. We have so many cargo bikes now just due to one bike shop in our city. And um, it's a great equalizer because now you can, you have e-assist bike, you have up to 75 kilometers. If you don't pedal at all, you can go 75 kilometers with this e-bike, right? Nice. So for, all of a sudden, that issue of moving these big distances is no longer an issue, right? Right. Uh, and so e-bikes are just exploding in the city. I mean, I think I see a new e-bike every other day, uh, a new kind of e-bike too. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about scooters. I'm talking about e-bikes. So that's the big equalizer, but it doesn't seem that the, the, the manufacturers in Canada, at least, have seen the possibility of building e-bikes or building e-cargo bikes like they see electric vehicles. They still only see vehicles. They they can't wrap their heads around that. And uh, the big argument always here is, oh, well, it snows there. Well, you know, I bike every day, even in the winter. And there's very few days where that road has snow on it and I have to get off my bike and walk very 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 few times we don't get very much snow here we're actually called the banana belt um i think we had 15 days of snow last year um i put studded tires on my bike i didn't really need them most of this last winter because it's getting warmer and warmer right so yeah that's true too well (laughs) yeah it's like a feedback loop we have to drive more and then we're making it warmer. Well, and also I think a lot of people here still don't think that climate change is the thing because we don't have smog days really anymore because they shut down a big coal plant in Sarnia. Um, we don't have the emissions that say Los Angeles does. So mm-hmm. it's always this perception. Oh, well, that's other places. That's not here, you know? But asthma That's, rates continue to go up, asthma rates go up, and uh, we just figure, well, that's just normal. So. It's like we have a, uh, it's like society has a smoking problem, and it's really hard to kick that habit, and you're sort of in denial about it, because each cigarette, you don't really feel it until yeah. it's too late, until you're wheezing and diagnosed with cancer. If you bring up the idea that people don't like one of the mandates as a, as a a bicycle mayor is that we ask that all rides, uh, 50% of rides by, by 2030 be done by bike instead of by car. And we know that most people just bike up to seven kilometers saying they ride, drive in seven kilometer loop or circle in a day, right? Which is what Mm -hmm. five miles. Mm-hmm. Make it stretch. I have to look at a speedometer every time I think of that. Um, 
<laughs> so if people are driving such short distances, then most of those trips could be done by bike. Yeah, uh, totally. It totally. have to be done by car. And I'm not, I'm not anti-car. I'm anti using a car for something where you could have used a bike. And right. I rent a car every two months. Um, I just go to a local car rental place and I get the kind of car I want and I go where I want to go and then I bring it back. And it's still far cheaper for me to rent a car and to go the kilometers and the places I do than it is for me to actually own one. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm still farther ahead every single time. Do you guys have car to go there? The share we car? We have um, a community auto, which is a car share. But it's quite limited. I think we have six cars in the whole city. Uh, one of the problems with with um, the car share that we have is that they don't have different sized vehicles. So like if I want to go kayaking, which I quite often do, um, I can go to my enterprise car rental and throw my kayak into a truck, rent a truck and go, right? Mm-hmm. Where the, the car share, they only have small vehicles which is mm-hmm. fine if you're just going to the grocery store. But if I was just going to the grocery store, then I just use my bike, right? Right, right. So um, they still haven't really wrapped their heads around the fact that they need to have different sized vehicles and that they need to set them up so that you can use them longer than a few hours. Because for me, when I rent, I rent for 24 hours. I jam all of those car trips into one trip and then I have to do it for two months, Right. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of driving in that 24 hours. And I curse that car sitting in the parking lot, costing me money right. for it. But you don't think that way when you're an owner, right? You don't think that way. And, it's it's uh, kind of nuts how people, I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's like the city or the, the state sort of forces you to have to drive a car if, if you want to get somewhere quick and convenient. And then you're spending thousands of dollars. You know, AAA is always putting out statistics every year about how much it costs. And it's like close to $10,000 a year yeah. average. And it's just like the amount of wealth that gets evaporated by the design of our traffic grid is staggering. It's just like, can you imagine buying a bus pass for 10 grand, you know, or... <laughs> craziness it's craziness it's it's absolutely and that's like you don't you do not realize how much you worry about your car until you don't have one and you suddenly are renting and i'm like i park the car in the parking lot at my apartment building and i'm like is a landlord gonna tow it because he doesn't rent <laughs> the car you know i can't park it on the road because i get a ticket right mm. and it's you spend all your time while you're driving that car where am I going to park this thing? Where am I going to park this thing? Um, where I find that as a bike owner, I, I just don't, I just don't even worry about it. And it's one of the things that bikes, um, bicycle owners when we shop, because we just go to a store and we just find a sign or, or whatever, and we lock up to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't go into the store and say, we drove around for 15 minutes looking for a parking spot and be angry with the store owner, right? But that's what they get all the time from car owners, bicycle owners, like, oh, I need XXX. And then we go at the door. We don't ever tell them that we rode there. Um, <laughs> we don't ever tell them we had a problem not parking because we're happy, right? But right. the people that complain to the businesses are the people, the people that have 
have the car, right? So the business owner becomes convinced that the only people that ever come to their store are car drivers, but that's so untrue. But it's so hard to, whenever you talk about bringing in a protected bike lane, they're like, oh my gosh, well, where, what are all my customers going to do? Well, what about all the customers you don't know that are coming that might come now? Yeah, it's, right. we, we, all, we need to start talking about that more. We need to start talking about, um, yeah, I showed up here and I biked here and I'm happy. <laughs> you know, I um, always try to do that at the, at the grocery store. I, I ride my bike with a, with a basket and it's a detachable basket. And is it a basil basket? It's a rack time basket. Are you familiar with that company? Basket, which you is, hook, is on, out. hook onto the back rack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just pull it off as it likes to handle. Yeah. Yeah, it's got two handles, just like the, it's the same size as a grocery store basket. Yep. And it, you can hook it on the front of your grocery store basket and your, your cart. Um, yeah, I just carry it around and then. <laughs> When I go through the checkout, I always try to make it a point to uh, say, oh, yeah, I'm going to put this on my bicycle. And then they're like, you rode your bicycle here? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I just try to be an advocate in tiny ways, I guess. They're just so funny. They're like, you rode five kilometers here with your bike? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You're going to ride home with this? Yeah. (laughs) Unreal. Can you believe it? Um, Well, so you know, give us, give us an outlook on, on what, what you have planned for the next, you know, year or so for the, for well, actions. And interestingly, I am almost done being a bicycle mayor. So I only have a two year term. I started in 2019. Um, I did need to submit to BYCS uh, my plans for the city, what I hope to accomplish and for the most part, what I wanted to accomplish has happened. Um, some more interesting things have happened too, which were bonuses. Um, one of the things that I came into my city as a bicycle mayor to do was to set up a bike registry program, which we didn't have. So generally when a bike was stolen, it would be picked up by the police, go to an auction. The police would never verify their reports to the bikes that were actually found and then they would sell those bikes that were literally reported in their, in their program. They'd sell bikes that actually were, were theft bikes. So I came in and I actually went to the police board and asked them to adopt Project 529, which is affiliated with Bike Index. I think that's the program you use in the States. Do you use Project 529 as well? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I haven't. American affiliates. Uh, is it? That's a private. Um, it's a Canadian a... company, and they go mm-hmm. in and they they uh, they have the police uh, the police forces sign up, and so everyone's connected because one of the things that makes bike theft and the black mark black market work so well is that if the city down the road doesn't have a bike registry, then all they need to do is steal the bikes from your city and drive them down the road and sell them to that market. So until everyone has a, an interconnected bike registry, then you can't really stop black market theft. Mm. And uh, before I became the bicycle mayor, I ran, I run a Facebook group called London Stolen Bike Report. 
and people would submit photos of a bike that it was stolen and we try to identify it. The police heard about us. They joined up secretly. Well, I knew who they were, but other people didn't know. And um, it became more and more obvious that not only were bikes being sold at auction and the police were benefiting from it. And so people hated the police, um, but also that all of our bikes were getting shipped out of, out of London and going just up the road. So it wasn't, mm. it became more than just us becoming registered. It started putting the push on the other communities to start registering as well, which has started to happen now where the cities around us are also starting to be affiliated with Project 529. So that was one of the very first things that I did. Um, another thing that I set, set out to do is to start bringing the Ontario cycling advocates together, which were a very large province. You know, it takes three days to drive out of Ontario. And so we started with the Winter Bike to, to Work campaign, which is in the middle of uh, February. It's freezing cold every single year. My God, it was minus 17 this year. Oh and my God. People come out and ride their bikes on winter ride your bike to work, to work day. Um, sometimes we have more and we challenge other communities to get their bikes registered on. Uh, it's actually a global system. It's called winter ride your bike to work day. And they have a, a, a board which shows how many people have signed up in every city and we compete in Ontario against each other. Um, we have some heavy hitters in Ontario at Ottawa, which is our, uh, our, our, our main, it's like Washington. Don't just ignore Lauren here. She has to be involved in everything. Um, <laughs> that's, that's Lauren. There's two more coming. Don't worry. Now that they heard your voice. Um, but My kitty's Ottawa, behaving. which is like Washington, right? Mm-hmm. It's much colder there. They have minus 26 and they have like a hundred riders come out and ride a winter ride to work your work today. My God. So we started that when I when I first became the bicycle mayor and we still push for it. I hope the next bicycle mayor continues it. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of uh joking, you know, oh, you're gonna let Hamilton beat you, you know, and we sort of uh, <laughs> uh badmouth each other and we see who's got the better numbers and such and so forth. <laughs> Um, another thing that, that I was a part of was the pedal poll, which I've been talking about quite a bit on Twitter. It's a national program that was set up by Velo Canada, which is our national bike advocacy group. They do a lot of lobbying with the federal government to get bike infrastructure and bike infrastructure grant fund funding for each community. And uh, they decided to conduct a national cordon count, which we call the pedal poll. And so every community in Canada that they had picked out, they picked out 14 communities initially. They asked they have their target cities so they can improve infrastructure. And here in London, we whipped up our advocates so much that we actually forced them to not only allow us to become a part of the count, but apparently something like 90 communities in total participated in a count that was only supposed to be for 14 cities. Wow. So, yes, yes. So on Saturday, on Tuesday, we had 50 people out over a 10 hour time period counting certain sections of the city where we felt that either there was infrastructure, but it needed to be improved, or that there was no infrastructure and we needed to have a benchmark to prove that we needed infrastructure. And the plan is that the next year we will again do the same count. 
and we will see that the work that we've done has improved rideability. Um, the sad thing is, is that it's really starting to strike people as they count that our streets are really designed just for white men. And we see that in our counts. We see 70, 30 count splits, um, very few ethnic groups, just white people. And we know that our, our city is very diverse, but those people don't feel safe in the infrastructure that we build. And so we need mm. to work towards getting more equity. So when we do that cordon count, we now have data. So instead of hearing, well, I never see anyone bike down that bike lane, so we shouldn't be spending money on it. Now we can say, well, no, 200 people rode down that bike lane in the middle of the day. And so we know that that is true. We have accurate data. So right. that was one of our big, big things. And tomorrow is our second part of that where we're doing more accounting again. So um, I think there's 22 of us tomorrow. So, and it's going to be 35 degrees, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but really hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, 35 degrees Celsius is like 100 degrees or something like that, isn't it? Or that's, yeah. Well, you know, congratulations. Are you going to be able to run for a second term at some I point? I cannot. Not ever. Not no, ever, I cannot. Somebody... Um, I have no. to start campaigning, uh, start a campaign to get a new bicycle mayor. Uh -huh. uh, my last day is September the 1st. Um, our bicycle mayors go through a pretty extensive screening process. So uh, you have to submit, submit your plans for your city. You have mm -hmm. to submit a video of yourself. You have to submit um, your goals. You go through uh, an interview process. You have to submit um, community support, at least five letters of community support. Then you go through another uh, interview process where you're interviewed by former bicycle mayors um, who have retired just like I will be. And then finally you are acclaimed and you also sign a two page waiver saying that you can't benefit financially in any way, shape or form. And whatever you do, uh, you are basically, you have to find your own funding or you have to fund it yourself. So okay. I was a student. I funded a lot of my bicycle bear stuff with student loan. Um, but uh, I, I can do it low key. So I'm good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was quite a challenge. Um, I mean, I had never done a, a, a press release when I first started. I had to, to release do a press release for 12 different um, media outlets. Um, I had never done a radio interview. Uh, I had never done it a newspaper article interview. There were so many things that I had never done that I didn't know. I wasn't, I was okay on social media. I have become like a whirlwind. I only wish that I was young enough to be a TikToker and I'd be right in there. <laughs> I just can't do it. I I'm done. I'm done. I just can't do it. So, um, I love TikTok. And I want to find the TikTokers that are like me and just watch them. But um, but, uh, yeah, there's so many amazing things that you, that you learn as a bicycle mayor, not just about your own city and who the people are. And, and I think that it's a real opportunity to get to meet groups of cyclists that you wouldn't normally meet. Um, like I would have nothing, like I used to road race years ago, but I'm too old and broken for that. But I've got to meet the gravel racers and I got to meet the 
the velodrome racers and those people are crazy. Oh my God. No brakes <laughs> on a side, you're biking sideways. That's well, but they're awesome people. You know, they're, they've invited me out to race and I'm like, I don't think so. I already have enough broken parts. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I get to meet all kinds of different riders. Um, I met, you know, the seniors who are all riding e-bikes now because I can't physically do the distance the distance riders who think nothing of doing 200 in a day and then going home and drinking two Guinness. I don't know how they do that either. Um, <laughs> and then the commuters, you know, who are just riding around and, and the parents, the parents that are getting their kids to school and, and they, they want to bike, they want their kids to bike to school and they can't. So you just get such an opportunity to meet so many members of your community that you wouldn't ever think that way because you're not, you're not in that stage, right? So it's been an amazing opportunity. Um, whoever the next person is, they, they, I think they might have some work cut out for them because I'm sort of a, sort of, I get a lot of things done in a short amount of time. I promise you I sleep, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'll, they'll do fine. They'll do good. Yeah. It sounds like they have some, uh, some big shoes to fill. I mean, they'll, they'll be filling some big shoes. You know what? They could be better than me. I'd be okay. <laughs> If they could do um, TikTok, I'd be impressed. Maybe that's you know, a requirement, right? <laughs> I wonder if uh, there could be some provision for you to be in the new mayor's cabinet or something like that. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? That would, <laughs> I honestly don't really know if I'll have as much time to do what I did. Like, I mean, I was a student, so um, being a bicycle mayor gave me a break from being a student. Um, mm -hmm. And now I've graduated, so I have to actually find a job so I may not have as much time so this is a perfect time to hand this off mm -hmm. uh, hopefully I can support them as much as 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 they need help when they first start out mm -hmm. um, but yeah I you know there's always uh, you look at people like RC and and Jillian and and they were the same you know they had never done any of these things and so they're quite often texting me or emailing me or we're on slack hey Shelly how did you do this and it's really an amazing environment that everyone's so supportive and helpful. And it's not just the Canadian bicycle mares. It's also all of the bicycle mares, you know, mm -hmm. like um, the female bicycle mares in particular, um, they're so diverse. Like the, the, the ones from South America, man, they do not take any crap from anyone. They're like, that's garbage. You know, they are fierce. I wish I had their fierce. Love it. You know, um, and they're just like, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. We'll set the building on fire. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they're great. They're a great group, a, a great organization. Um, I think that more cities really need a bicycle mayor, if only to give a, an independent voice so that you have that access to communities that you wouldn't normally have. And, um, and, and, the U.S. doesn't have very many bicycle mayors right now. I believe you only have four. Um, I would love to see far more in the U.S. And yeah, we need a bicycle mayor in Los Angeles. Yes, you do. Yes, you I guess do. we. I guess we don't have one yet. You hmm. do. You have one in New York City. You have one in Atlanta. You have one in Texas. I'm trying to think of what city it is. It's got to be Austin. I think it is. And then there's one lady in Connecticut. Huh. Yes. Well, maybe that's our next mission. Um, 
get a Los Angeles bicycle mayor. We might need like two or three bicycle mayors here. You might, you know. There's a lot of cities within within the sphere of Los Angeles City. So And you know, if you ever want to interview anyone at BYCS, don't be afraid to reach out to them. I mean, they would love to come and talk. Um, Definitely. There they have a whole group of people there that support all the bicycle mayors and the other programs. We also have a, a children's bicycle mayor program where there's children that are uh, kid bicycle mayors and they're fascinating. <laughs> so um, don't be afraid to reach out to them. They're a great organization and they're doing some amazing things. They just released a new initiative, a global initiative, and they're trying to get people from all over the world to sign up all dedicated to making bike infrastructure better. So awesome. it's not just your city, it's everyone globally. <laughs> it's a it's it's a lot to take in. It but is. uh we're we're gonna continue to have bicycle mayors on the show. And um I don't know. I, I feel like I wanna poke around here and see if we can find somebody to do a bicycle mayor. Have you ever talked to Marky Brown? Courtney Brown? Yes. Uh, I she, know a Courtney Brown. She's a brown bike girl. And she is a bicycle mayor. She's in New York City, right? Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we actually did have her on the show. She's amazing. Um, um, and Patty's quite interesting as well. She started mm-hmm. our rolling wave on Twitter, and we had hundreds of people waving taking videos of them waving while they're riding on their bikes it was amazing um and also susan i think is done but there may be a new bicycle mayor in victoria bc so keep an eye on the bycs page there's a new bicycle mayor seems like every week and we're over in hundreds hundred countries now so, amazing yes well shelly carr thanks for coming on the show and, no and giving us the giving us the info on, on London, Ontario <laughs> in Canada. Well, I'm glad and you were so interested in our little itty bitty place. I love all these little things. We've been doing these, like we've been doing interviews actually more in, in other cities. A lot of times we're LA centric just cause we're from here, but uh, it's really, it's really fun to go to someone's city with them, you know, virtually on Google and, poke around and see what's going on and the issues are just it's funny how the issues are the same that's my places is to travel to another place and get the local newspaper if they still have i'm way into that way into that i love that and it's the same issues it's always the same issues (laughs) it's a shock that you know like you can in like not last year obviously because no one could travel but the year before that, I traveled quite a bit. Um, I was in Las Vegas just before COVID hit. And I sat down and found a newspaper in Las Vegas. And, you know, Las Vegas, which is a crazy place. Um, Horrifying place. You read, you read their newspaper, same problems. Same yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, once you get away from the tourists, same problems. Um, it was just fascinating to to learn that the same things that my counselors were talking about, their counselors were talking about. And it's like, can't we somehow find a solution to all this? It's right. like sitting right in front of you. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was fascinating. Actually, Las Vegas was very cool because they had bike lockers and we didn't have bike lockers yet. So I took tons of pictures of bike lockers when I was in Las Vegas and I didn't oh, a bit. I, I didn't, I, 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 I go to, I used to go to Vegas for inner bike for a number of years, which was a big bike convention at one of their, really? yeah, it's, it was a huge, Las Vegas. what's that? You had bike in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is horrifying. It's horrible. It's um, sprawly. It's just awful. And uh, I had to go every year and um, we would, you know, there's a lot of people riding bikes and we'd bike around and it's just horrifying. But there's, there's places outside of the city. Um, like old Las Vegas is not terrible, but well, that's the strip is horrible. I was in old Las Vegas. Yeah, that's that's not so bad. That's that's nice a little better. better. And they yeah. have amazing uh, bike share there. When I was there last January, uh, huh. where they had e-bikes you could rent, which I was quite impressed by, because I don't think any of our bike shares here in Canada have e-bikes yet. Mm. So, we have to get an update from somebody in Las Vegas yeah. um, to get because uh, it's been a number of years since I've been there, but it sounds like things are improving. Well, thanks thanks again for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch. We want to get people back on the show and get updates. So, you know, we'll see where you, where you're at. And, uh, if people want to follow you on social media, give us your, your social media handles, if you want to put those out there. Well, on Twitter, I am at bike mayor because somehow I managed to get that. You Um, did. (laughs) I don't know how, but I did. Um, That's a great handle. Don't I don't know how I got that. I was just like, you know how Twitter is, eh? You type in what you hope for, and then you get some weird number afterwards. But no. Um, And I'm also on Facebook, just BYCS, London, Ontario, Bicycle Mayor. Um, I don't do any other social media, sadly. No. Gladly, but it's just videos of me biking around. (laughs) I fully support getting the hell off social media. It's so addictive. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Well, I learned to shut the notifications off on my phone so I can bike in peace now. So it's all good. Totally. All right, Shelly, thanks for coming on. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. That was. Bike Talk KPFK live stream with Shelly Carr from London, Ontario. And they have a Thames River in Canada there. So that's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, well, actually, if you really think about it, some colonizers came over and they tried to recreate London and the Thames and all that stuff. So that's more stuff that we have to come to terms with, right? Not to end the show on a, on a downer, but... We have to recognize our past and try to make the world a better place moving forward. So we will conclude the show and take care, everybody.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 